Are you building a green business that works for you and for the planet? Season 3 of Where Ideas Launch walks you through the process of ideating, creating, developing and scaling a green idea from start to success. I leverage my experience along with the experts and micro-entrepreneurs running green business models today. Join us for this short series of 16 episodes of Positive Business Impact for Change. Hello lovely people, today is about go-to-market strategy and I want to tell you about the sort of mistakes that people always make. And you know what the biggest one is? People skip all the steps that we've talked about before, about finding your idea, finding your mission in life, finding the ways to develop your idea appropriately with the right testing. People skip all these steps and jump right into going into the market. And that's not ideal. And I'm going to tell you why. If you want to build a sustainable business that runs for the time that you need it to run, that supports the ideas and ideals that you have, you need to avoid making these key mistakes. The first, having a vague idea of what your ideal client is, but not anything specific or material, and not having a chosen niche. The reason this is bad is because you end up spending a lot of money on marketing that does not work. Designing a product that fits everyone, so therefore it suits no one. So this links to that point. If you define something that's a onesie, no one would go out in public in it. (laughs) And what I mean by that is few people will really enjoy that product because it's not perfectly suited to them. It's a little bit big over here and a little bit small over there. The other typical mistake is taking on any client who isn't a good fit for your services or you as a person. I have to say that needs must. Sometimes we're in a situation where we have to take on clients that are not ideal in order to fuel or fund the development that we want to do for our business. And this is okay at the beginning, but once you start building credibility for the right customers, that's when your market really takes off. So be mindful when you take on non-ideal clients that they could detract from what you're trying to build in the service offer that you have. And you don't want to get to a point where you hate the service that you're providing because it was not the right one. Number four is pricing strategies that are not adjusted to the market or your place in the market. So when you just launch, it's probably not ideal to position yourself exactly at the standard of people who've been in the market longer than you have. Potentially, you want to price yourself a little bit below to get that trial up. Now, pricing is a a tricky game, and we've talked about this in a couple of episodes, but you really want to make it so that you can grow that over time as you become oversubscribed. So at the beginning, you're typically not oversubscribed. You're typically underutilized in terms of your time of serving clients. You're probably way over the top on time you're spending on marketing. But the idea here is to price so that you get trial. And as you get trial and as you get known and as you get famous, then you can start thinking about price increases that allow you to take a bigger step back if that's what you need. You also need to consider who you're serving and how the price and the business model works together. So number five is about a business model that is not fit for your stage of growth or not fit for your ideal customer as well. And that's going to be important as we go through and evolve in the sustainability space, especially if we're trying to to make solutions that don't exclude anyone. So thinking about your pricing and your strategy, your business model and strategy will be key. Number six is a product or service that does not deliver on customers' expectations. 
No one wants a poor quality product, so don't do one. Number seven is no niche in the way you approach the market. It links to points one and two that I mentioned before. Number eight is using all social media and none of them well. This is a classic mistake. I've made it too when I first began. Number nine is no planning for your launch, including the logistics coordination, the supply chain coordination if you're product-based, or your audience building and awareness if you're service-based. But everybody needs to build awareness and audiences to sell their products, no matter who you are. Number 10 is no understanding of the key metrics that drive your conversions in the business. So understanding what you need to be looking for to know how people will convert and how, how your product and service or pitch or launch will perform is important because then you can hold back, not go into the expensive launch if you don't think your audience is in the right place for that launch. And this is very humbling position to take for an entrepreneur. It's very hard to say, no, my market isn't ready. I'm not going to do it, especially if you you had expectations, you built expectations around being able to launch successfully. But sometimes it's necessary to take that step back so that you don't waste effort and you don't damage your credibility as well in the process. Number 11 is not identifying the key resources that you require to support your launch. So setting up all the tech that you need, setting up all the supply chain work that you need to do, doing all the customs checks, things like this, not identifying those key steps and as well as getting support with the steps and the resource, the share, the share time it takes can be really detrimental. Failure to test that product market fit. So making sure that that product really addresses the needs. Testing, testing, testing. It's so important and I can't reinforce it enough. Number 13 is lack of integrity or ethics in your data points, in your process, in your marketing. If you fail on your ethics and integrity, you may succeed on your launch that first time, but maybe never again. Tech fails. So technology can fail us on several points of the launch. So you really want to think about that and see how you can manage you don't have them. Number 15 is burnout and exhaustion because of inadequate self-care. Raise your hand if you're guilty of inadequate self-care. My hand is raised because this is something that has affected me throughout the time that I have run my business. And it is something that I am actively trying to correct as much as I can. The last one is no clear brand aesthetic. This is no feeling of who your brand and what your brand is that people can pick up just from the content that you produce and the images that you use, the graphics, the color templates, etc. They all give a feeling to your brand. And if you haven't thought about that and haven't made it consistent, it can be a problem for you. I've definitely had a difficult journey in building my brand. This is why I can tell you about it. So we've covered many points in past episodes. And by the end of season three, uh, we would have covered everything that I think you need as a base and a foundation to start your business. Now, this section is on strategy. It's not about the execution yet, but it is about thinking about what you need to consider before you launch. So before I tell you any more, I want to tell you about two resources that I fully recommend. One is The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. It's, it's I think, the book that every startup possibly in the world has, has read or consumed. And then the other one is Business Model Generation by Alex Osterwalder and Eve Panier. And actually anything by Alex and his team absolutely rocks. So I totally recommend digging into him. Okay, so let's talk business models. Business models are how you place your value proposition in front of your customer. 
Your value proposition is a combination of that unique selling proposition that is you, the thing, the difference, the qualities that you bring, and the general value that the consumer also receives from the consumption or enjoyment of your product. So that value proposition is really bringing some ideas together that makes what it is that you're selling or offering to the public compelling and worthy of an exchange of value, right? So in terms of, of cash or bitcoins or whatever it is for the service or product that you provide. The best business models will do the following things. So they will provide a ample return for your investment, an appropriate return for your, for your investment in time, effort, energy to build that product uh, or service. Maintain a diverse income stream for you, considering that you may have different types of clients at different stages of their journey, for example. It will stay relevant to market trends and it will be responsive to changes in the market. So the key things that you need for a strong business model is offers at different price points that address audiences at different stages, DIY options. So for example, people can take your product or your service and consume it completely on their own. That's usually one way to, to offer something different. Done for you options. So you can customize your product, for example. This could be another way to target a different niche or you can basically do that service for them. So take the work of the person, take the stress uh, away from that person of doing the work themselves. And then you can have a passive or semi-passive dimension. And a semi-passive or passive dimension could be making sure that you can support the customer on an ongoing basis, perhaps. And it could be tech related as well. So it could be tech as a service, software as a service. Passive products or services require little to no input from you except to set them up. So examples of some passive products, because I know that this is something that are of real interest to people, and I'm going to go broader than just products or services, but I'll tell you about all the ways that you can invite a certain level of passive income into your overall business model for your for yourself. It could be affiliate links for other products or services that you put into your blogs or your websites as you go along. It could be a course on a platform that does all the marketing for you with good SEO, for example. So perhaps something on Udemy or other sort of providers of courses. A product on a platform that does the marketing for you with good SEO. So for example, this could be Amazon or it could be another competitor to Amazon that deals with only sustainable goods. There's another way to do it. You can have investment income, so you can invest some cash. You can have rental income in renting either your product or even real estate. You can have service subscriptions and you can have subscription boxes. This can be for products. So someone purchases every month a certain amount of or quantity of your product and they get a refill every, every month. I know that who gives a crap does a model like this where you purchase, you know, every three months or every four months and then they replenish your stock automatically. You can you can defer it a month or a week or whatever, but they have this ongoing relationship with you as your toilet paper provider. You can do make your own boxes. So this is uh, a way that people can get involved in the process of putting together what it is that you make as, as something. So if you if you make certain, you know, maybe design things, craft, you might want to put all the craft elements into a box and share that. Then you can deliver courses across multiple people. So this is where it's semi-passive because it's sort of a, a model where you are the one person providing that service to many at the same time. 
some of the most popular business models in general around the world and this list these these are models that are very very popular so i'm just going to tell you a few these are freemium so basic level is free or low priced and then you pay additional for extras or premium services and you really have to understand your customer to know what would constitute a premium service you can have double-sided platforms so where users are free and businesses pay to promote you can have membership subscriptions for your products or services as we discussed you can have consulting you can have the razor and blade method which is selling one element of it cheaply the razor but committing people to buy blades for the rest of their life that has been a model whether you want to do that in the sustainability space depends on what it is you're replacing and what it is you're using as your base material software as a service models are increasingly popular franchising is also another way so if you have built a, a sustainable business in one part of the world you may want to franchise that as well you have paper use paper experience you can pay by tiers you can do rentals you have the sharing economy you can choose your contributions so for example asking people to pay what they are interested in so i once took a tour to the scottish highlands and the fee for that tour was a donation so you had to commit to giving some sort of a deposit to make sure that you showed up because they were afraid that their competitors would book out all their seats and then not show up so that they didn't get any donations so you paid a deposit but for me that deposit was kind of a clue as to how much that service should cost so it kind of tells you what sort of contribution you should probably pay so this wraps up business models to build a decent go-to-market strategy however you have to know your numbers so let's get into the finance guys start with the full business year in front of you and consider the following how do you set a financial goal set up your year into quarters or half years create a planning cycle around that and figure out how you're going to sell your products plan your holidays in this may be your most crucial step to make sure that your self-care is booked map your key sales events to key dates in that calendar give yourself an idea of the number of offers you need to have over the period of that year and get aware of what it takes to redirect or correct or shift or pivot if things aren't working to plan so having a preview of those things will help you to really get good and strong on delivering the numbers then we flip to market data market data will come from the quality of the research that you've done in the past so ask yourself what response rates did you get from the research stage how many people engaged with your surveys versus how many people actually converted into filling a survey so views as they say versus conversions or actual taking action it's already an indication of what your conversion rate could be if you look at those numbers but know that your your conversion rates might even be lower than those numbers because if people can't be asked to click on your survey they probably can't be asked to click on your buy link but it'll be interesting to test it and see then you need to think about competitors what are they doing can you do something different that is perceived as unique by your ideal audience but uniquely also addressing their concerns and then the last bit of, of market data is audience engagement understand how they are engaging now and why next we move to the product suite you want to build a product suite that complements your value proposition it complements the finances that you have and the business models that you run so your product suite will be 
your main offer and then inside each main offer you will have smaller offers that are specific to the proposed customer stage or need. All right, so I'm gonna give you an example of how a product suite can work. An offer within an offer is something that you give either free or for a small additional fee that closes the deal for the customer and deals with their objections or their other desires that are linked to the service you provide. So for example, if you offer a travel service, your customers are into travel, you may want to create a neat package deal for them but sweeten this with a loyalty card that offers discounts for their next purchases with you or for items they will want to consume when they arrive at their destination, for example. So there are many great ways to build all of this strategy up. I'm going to be sharing a lot about this in my upcoming membership and you'll hear more about that later on. It is an incubator, so it will really help you accelerate on all the levels of the business that you need. So look forward to that. So my summary on go-to-market. Plan your year and your quarters, create a portfolio model for your business, then choose the relevant business models to support a diverse portfolio. Have clear objectives and goals, financial targets, sales targets, lead targets, budgets, and metrics, and choose your business model based on what is useful for the stage of your business and the size of your audience. You also need to consider the supply chain and getting more into financing your green business. I've covered supply chain topics in episode 34, it's called Sustainable Supply and Sourcing. So you can have a listen to that episode again if you haven't before. And I also have a special guest coming up later on in this series who's going to talk about green finance coming from a national bank in the UK. This episode was brought to you today by the Eco Business Growth Club by Catherine Ann Byam and by The Space Where Ideas Launch. The Eco Business Growth Club supports positive impact SMEs with coaching, know-how, and community support toward achieving the impact and reach they set out to make. You can find out more by connecting with Where Ideas Launch on Instagram or following the hashtag Where Ideas Launch across all of your social media.